You're listening to sermons from Church on Bayshore in Niceville, Florida. Our mission is to do whatever it takes to see people believe in Jesus, belong to God's family, and become who God created them to be, impacting the world for Christ. To learn more about our church and to find additional resources, including ways to connect, serve, and give, visit churchonbayshore.org. Well, we rejoice uh, with McKenna and her public profession of faith in Jesus. She was baptized uh, with the team uh, that was in the Dominican Republic uh, just this past week. And in addition to McKenna getting baptized, uh, two teenagers, Max Three and Jocelyn Wheeler, uh, were also baptized in the Dominican Republic while they were there. And yesterday, a group of us gathered together at Turkey Creek as Rich Duncan baptized his daughter, uh, Chloe Duncan. And then just a few weeks ago, Dan Franklin baptized his daughter, Sonoma Franklin. So praise Jesus for this. It is awesome to see God at work. Uh, In addition to this, uh, we, uh, I have to say this kind of carefully because this is on the internet, but uh, we give uh, with other churches. We cooperate to give uh, so that missionaries will be fully funded and sent across uh, the world. And uh, two of our members, Tyler and Kelsey Buckaloo, uh, were approved and matched uh, with a country in North Africa this week. And so they'll be heading, we'll be sending them uh, to live overseas uh, to take the gospel. So praise Jesus that we get to be a part of that. All right, well, you can open your, open your Bible to Ephesians as we wrap up three weeks looking at the mystery that Paul talks about in chapter three of Ephesians. If you're visiting with us today uh, or you're watching online for the first time, let me just say to you, we're so grateful that you are here with us as our guest and that we uh, would love to connect with you. You can text the word CONNECT. Uh, to the number that is going to be on the screen, and one of our Connect team members will follow up with you this week, or you can stop by one of the welcome areas on your way off campus. Also, if you're visiting with us, today is our Discover Bayshore lunch, and so we'd love for you to join us for that after the 11 uh, o'clock service, uh, and that'll be in the fellowship hall. You can ask one of our Connect team members. If you don't know where the fellowship hall is, we'll feed you. Uh, And we'll share the vision we have as a church and give you the opportunity to ask any questions that you might have. Uh, Also, I want to remind the members of our church that tonight we have our prayer night and town hall business meeting at 5 o'clock p.m. We have between two to four uh, town halls every year. And as a member of our church, town hall is always something that is important for you to attend as you can give your voice regarding who is in leadership and uh, decisions that affect the future of our church. Tonight, our deacons will be bringing a motion uh, supported by me of a serious and sensitive nature. And so uh, I urge everyone who is a member of our church that can be here tonight at five o'clock to please be here. And in light of that, it has been a rough week for me, um, but it is a joy to do what believers have done on the first day of the week honoring our resurrected King Jesus and open the word of God together. And so let me pray for our time in the word. God, may I decrease and you increase. And God, your word is powerful. Help us to receive it with humble hearts and help it to transform our lives to be more like you. I pray this in Jesus' name, 
Amen. All right, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 through 19, we'll be talking about the mystery of the fullness of God. The Apostle Paul writes, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. What we have here is a prayer by the Apostle Paul, and so what I want to do is walk through this with five points of observation or interpretation, and then I want to lead us in a guided time of prayer. So this could be a little different today if you're a regular part of our church. We're going to take about 10 minutes to just walk through a guided time of personal prayer. But let me first walk through these five points of observation. Number one, the purpose of prayer is for the manifest wisdom of God's grace to be known. The purpose of prayer is for the manifest wisdom of God's grace to be known. In verse 14, the Apostle Paul says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. Now, all of verses 14 through 21 are Paul's prayer that what he is preaching will, in fact, happen. Notice the connection between verse 14, for this reason, and all that has been said before. If you back up to verse 8, you see that Paul wants us to see and enjoy the unsearchable riches of Christ. In verse 9, you see that Paul wants us to understand and embrace the mystery that's hidden for ages and now revealed. In verse 10, you see that Paul wants us to be a part of God revealing his wisdom to the spiritual powers. In verse 11, we see that Paul wants us to see the eternal purpose realized in Christ. In verse 12, Paul wants us to have confidence about the boldness and access we have in Christ. And in verse 13, we learn that Paul wants his suffering to be for our glory. Now, when people typically pray, they pray for themselves or others to feel better, whether that might be small or large. We pray to have specific answers so we can have confidence about today or tomorrow. And we pray for doors to open on the path of the desires of our heart. Now, we ought to pray for these things mostly, but we also, when we pray for these things, ought to be praying for the manifest wisdom of God's grace to be known. So if we are praying for these things, it ought to be like this, that I would feel better so that people would see God's wisdom on display in me and that I would have strength to proclaim God's wisdom, that I would have confidence in the things that God has revealed to me even when there are things about my life that are not clear or certain, that God would open doors on the path of us seeing more and more of him and being used more and more for him. Here's why this should make sense to you. We will feel better, or I should say feel best, in heaven. Heaven is where we belong, and we will have certainty and full assurance in heaven. Our hearts will be completely satisfied in heaven. So if God were to answer our prayers in a way that fully met those needs and desires, 
That'd be it for us on earth. To die is gain. And so if we are praying for those things on earth, then we ought to understand that if God is going to do that for us on earth, it is so that it would be clear to others who he is through us. And if it's not the way we would think he would answer, we understand that God sees something we don't see and he's doing something through us that is not clear to us. The reason, though, that we don't pray like this is because the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. Our Lord and Savior says this. And so I would just say to you, if your prayer life is simply to feel better, to know more, and to have more of what you want, and it is not centered around the manifest wisdom of God's grace being on display in and through you, I call you to repent. And I call you to start focusing your prayer life on God's grace being on display through you and in you. The purpose of prayer is for the manifest wisdom of God's grace to be known. The second thing that I want to point out is that most people think of prayer as acts that lead to a posture. But prayer is a posture that leads to acts. Kneeling in prayer was actually uncommon in these days that this was written, but if you think about it, it's a pretty powerful symbol. It's an act of surrender. What happens in a war? If you surrender, you get down on your knees. Let's say you get caught as a criminal. What do you do? You get down on your knees. It's an act of surrender. It's an act of humility, and it shows the disposition of your heart through the direction of your body. But you can pray sitting down. You could pray standing up. You can pray walking. You could pray lying down. You can pray on your knees as well. Now, I might submit to you that it is good sometimes for us to get down in a humble position of submission and surrender and pray. And that's exactly what Paul is modeling for us here. But the reason that Paul is doing that is not out of some kind of religious observance. It's because that's how he postures himself before God. The reason we don't take time to pray like this the reason maybe we're not expressive in worship, the reason we aren't really showing our adoration and our humility for God is because maybe that's not our posture. And what I would contend with the American church is we're in a hurry to have God work instead of humbled before him. And so maybe... We ought to open our hands with a sincere heart saying, God, you fill me with what you want. Maybe we ought to lay on the floor and say, God, I am unworthy of you. Maybe we ought to bow down and say, you are king and you are Lord. We ought to pray without ceasing it ought to be a constant state. We ought to be meditating on the word day and night. And I would suggest that we ought to have times of devotion in the word centered around the scripture, 
not someone else's interpretation of the scripture. Regularly, regular, early, and prayerfully. If this isn't a part of your life, I would call you to repentance and to posture yourself before our Heavenly Father in a way that leads to acts. Third, God has a purpose for you in the circles he has placed you. Look at verse 15. Paul writes, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Now, for some, the minute you heard this, you had a problem, or it stated the problem that you have wrestled with for a long time. Why did God put me in the home that he put me in? Why do others have it much easier than I have it? Why is this person in my life, or why was that person in my life? I cannot answer all of this and will not attempt to answer all of this. But here's what I can say. God is the one from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. And God can work, no matter what that circumstance is, for the good of those who serve him and are called according to his purpose. At the end of Romans chapter 8, the text tells us, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. When we don't know what we ought to pray, the Spirit intercedes for us. Do you understand how good God is? When we who have given our life to Jesus Christ pray, and we don't really pray what we should be praying, the Spirit prays the right thing to God for us. That's how much God is at work in us, working for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. If you are his, the end of Romans 8 says, the glorification will be completed. This is the great confidence that we have. And when we face situations that we don't understand or that are uncertain or that seem overwhelming, where we ought to look is to the one who has sealed this for us. Romans 8 verse 31 says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And look at what verse 32 says. Here's where we fix our eyes in those moments. He who did not spare his own son, but gave, who, who didn't spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? How does a Christian know that God is for us? Because we know what God did in sending Christ to the cross when we were still sinners. And this is a transforming hope that we have in the life that we live on earth. And this ought to be the central focus of our prayer. When we are struggling with a sin, we find ourselves people who've believed and trusted in Jesus and a sin seems to have power over us. We remember the power of Christ to come on the cross and to be resurrected and give us new life. 
when we feel like we are struggling through a situation that we don't know how it could possibly get better, we remember how much God is for us on the cross. When we are insecure about the life that we are living and that it could be effective for God, we remember the cross. Christian, keep your prayer life centrally focused on God's demonstration of his love for you in the cross and remember that no matter what circumstance you find yourself in or situation you find yourself in, if God did not spare his own son, how will he not graciously with him give us all things? Fourth, God strengthens you by and for the fullness of his glory. Look at verse 16. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. So first, the condition of God being at work in our life is not our works. It's not the family we were placed in. It's the riches of his glory, which are immeasurable. That's how we have strength. And that's something that is realized now and will one day be realized. We are seeing a glimpse of that work as believers, as the Spirit works in us. And so he may grant you to be strengthened with his power. Notice, through his Spirit. His Spirit is working in you, in your inner being. Now, something we need to understand here, because Western culture messes this up, is how God gives us strength is not coming innately from within. We have a visual here that explains. What comes from within the heart is sin. Sin against God. God reveals to us who he is, who we are, and how we ought to live in light of that. And that has to come into our heart. And then it transforms our heart, and the spirit is in us, Then God works in and through us. This idea of just find your power from within and your strength apart from God is hopeless. You need to say, I need to look outward to God and he needs to come and take residence in my heart. Then through his spirit, then through his spirit, he strengthens me according to the riches of his glory for his glory. And we see the power of God work in our life when that's our position. The missionary Hudson Taylor said this, there are three stages in every great work of God. Impossible, stage two, difficult, stage three, done. God will give us help. That fuels the life that we live on this earth according to the riches of his glory. Number five, last point. God desires to reside in our heart and help us see more and more of how good he is for all of eternity. God desires to reside in our heart and help us see more and more of how good he is for all of eternity. Look at verse 17. So that 
Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Christ and here, our faith and him, he's working. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, he's working to give us a foundation in his love. Verse 18, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints. Remember, the mystery is being revealed. What is the breadth and length and height and depth? God is revealing who he is to us, and we're growing by the power of the Spirit in us to understand more and more of who God is. And to know, verse 19, the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. The love of Christ surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. This is what God wills to do in and through you. And Paul is praying that the Ephesian church would experience this and live this. And that should be our prayer. And so what I want to do now, I said this is going to be different today, is I want to take about 10 minutes or so, and I want to walk us through a time of guided prayer. This is something that I do, and perhaps it's something you could do in the future, but you're doing it right now. Um, so first, let me read the Lord's Prayer. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through 13. I have it memorized in like three different translations, so I'm just going to read. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So here's what I want us to do. Hopefully you grabbed one of these when you walked in. If not, start grabbing one of these when you walk in. I'm just gonna walk us through a time of reflection and prayer based on the Lord's Prayer. So Jesus told us, our fa- pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So I just want you to take a moment to yourself and praise God for his majesty and his holiness and his power. Now I want you to reflect on the gift of salvation, God's goodness towards you in Christ.
Now reflect on ways that God has been faithful to you. Jesus told us to pray like this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Ask what brokenness around me needs to be restored to God's purpose in my home, in my neighborhood, in my city, in my country, in my church. our heart for what breaks yours ask what relationships near me need reconciliation God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. So let's ask him what he is calling us to do as an ambassador for the kingdom of God. What are you calling me to do, Lord, for your kingdom? Jesus told us, pray, give us this day our daily bread. Ask, what are my needs? Tell them to God what your needs are. God, to show you the needs of others around you. God, what are the needs of others around me? And ask, 
How might I help meet needs? What am I in a position to do for others right now? Jesus taught us to pray and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Confess your sins to God. The bitterness, the anger, the lust, the jealousy, the pride. Confess specifically. Confess your bitterness or your resentment towards others. Maybe it's someone in your family, someone you work with, someone you don't even know. Paul tells us in Romans, as far as it depends on us, be at peace with all people. Forgive. Remember that Jesus on the cross said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. Forgive as Christ forgave you. And lastly, Jesus told us to pray and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Why don't you answer this question? If Satan were going to take me out today, what would be the easiest way for him to do that? What is my greatest weakness? Admit you need God's help. And is there some way that you think you stand? If anyone thinks he stands, let him take heed lest he fall. So take notice of that. Rely on God's strength, not your own. And then think what lies ahead for which I know I need God to strengthen my character 
I'm gonna need his help in this to reflect him and ask him for help. Worship team, you can make your way up here as we move into a time of response. Perhaps this morning you're here and as we went through that, it feels empty to you. And the reality is you've never bowed yourself before Jesus as Lord. But today you feel it. You feel the conviction in your heart you feel your need for rescue. Confess your sins to him. Confess that he is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. And maybe you know you love Jesus, but you're just struggling to feel this. Make a commitment to posture yourself before God, to be still and know that he is God, to not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind and to present your body, your whole life, not an hour on Sunday, not five minutes in the morning, but your whole life as an offering to our God who deserves it all. God's grace is near. He's faithful to answer those who call upon him. So call upon him. God, the fullness of God is our strength. And help us to remember that the fullness of God was on display in Christ Jesus. So may we look there now. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.